Headquarters to all units. Headquarters to all units. All units stand by for On Patrol with the PPD, airing now on WTBR 89.7 FM. Good morning. Thank you for tuning in to another new pre-recorded episode of On Patrol with the PPD here on WTBR 89.7 FM, Pittsfield Community Radio, simulcast on Pittsfield Community Television, and as always available on all of your popular podcast platforms. My name is Mike Wynn. I am one of the co-hosts and co-producers of this allegedly weekly radio program. I'm also the chief of police here in the city of Pittsfield, Massachusetts. I'm joined in studio this morning by Lieutenant Matt Hill, sound engineer extraordinaire. Good morning. Good morning, Lieutenant. And we have a special guest joining us again, but I'm going to introduce him in a, in a moment. Uh, we are pre-recording this episode. Uh, it is Wednesday, uh, November 23rd, Thanksgiving Eve. And if all goes as planned, you'll be listening to this program on Friday, December 2nd, after we come back from the, uh, the Thanksgiving break. So since this is another one of our pre-recorded episodes, no weather, because the weather will have changed dramatically by the time you hear this, and no news at the top of the hour. Um, but I hope by the time you hear this, you all had a pleasant and healthy and safe Thanksgiving. And now the, uh, the next holiday season will be upon us. Hence the reason for me growing out this white beard for the rest of the holiday season. Um, so joining us in studio this morning, as I said, is a special guest. And I, when I realized uh, we were going to have the opportunity to have this guest in, in, in studio, I started thinking, um, went back in the way, way, way back machine trying to figure out the first time I actually met this gentleman. Uh, it's a lot longer ago than I think either one of us would care to remember. Uh, but our guest this morning is Chief Stephen O'Brien, the chief of the Lennox Police Department. Thanks for coming in today, Chief. Thank you for having me. You're going to want to get a little bit closer to that microphone. Okay. And uh, this is part of our, our ongoing effort to expand not only the, the breadth of the program, but also the reach of the program. Um, we've had a couple other local uh, police chiefs on and we'd like to get members of our surrounding community departments on as well because you know well we like to talk about everything that's going on with the Pittsfield Police Department Berkshire County is a small community and there's a lot of stuff that happens across town and municipal lines and you know you may work in Pittsfield but live in Lenox or vice versa and you should know something about all of your um, all of your police departments and who you interact with so I'm excited to be able to expand this and maybe pick up some more of our audience. So, Chief, normally when we have a guest in studio and we're not talking about some department program or uh, some enforcement operation, we like to, uh, the, the catchphrase we use uh, in the Chiefs Association is humanize the badge. So we like to get to know a little bit about our guests outside of the job. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? Where did you grow up? What did you do growing up? Where did you go to school? Uh, Steve O'Brien. I'm uh, 52. I was born and raised in uh, Lenox, and uh, I went to uh, grammar school in Lenox, and I went to middle school in Lenox, and I went to high school in Lenox. <laughs> Class of 88, right? Class of uh, 1988, yeah. Lenox High. Yeah. Um, so did you play sports in high school? I did play sports. I started, uh, well, in the, in the grammar school, I played uh, basketball and baseball, Kind of fizzled out of basketball a little bit and then stayed with uh, baseball for the remainder of my tenure in high school. Nice. What did you do after high school? After high school, I first went to uh, BCC right here in Pittsfield. I stayed there for one year and realized this uh, that I should, should move on to another college that uh, I really liked. And I went to uh, Norwich University, the military college of Vermont, where I... Uh, graduated uh, cum laude with a degree in criminal justice. So a couple things. <coughs> One, um, I, you, as you know, we've talked about it. I've, I've traveled to Norwich for a couple of different occasions, um, primarily because we used to wrestle against them when I was in college. That is way in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> way in the middle of nowhere. It is uh, It's very cold. And it is in the exact center of the state in Northfield, Vermont. Yeah. It's been there since uh, 1819. And uh, 
it, I shouldn't say that it hasn't. It's been established since then, but has moved to Northfield at, at one point. But it's. Uh, I learned that a, a lot of local people actually uh, went to Norwich, uh, Pittsfield in particular. So, I want to pull on this thread a little bit. One, did you know you wanted to be a police officer when you went to Norwich? I did. Okay, so you're in the Corps of Cadets, but did you ever consider commissioning and going in the military? I did. Uh, I heavily considered commissioning and going in the military. And um, I, I struggle with that today because uh, that uh, I can't say uh, because my life has taken the road that it has, uh, which is excellent. But uh, some days I think, geez, you know, I probably should have just commissioned. You'd have been long since retired by now if you did. I would uh, be retired, All right, at so, least from that job. <laughs> so let's uh, <laughs> let let's. Uh, so you said you wanted to be a police officer when you went to Norwich. How did I you did. know you wanted to be a police officer? Well, because um, in 1984, uh, Lennox had a program called the Lennox Police Explorers, run by uh, the chief of police then was Dave Burkle, who was uh, he was there for 21 years, started in '79. In 84, I became eligible to uh, become a police explorer. So from 84 to 88, I was involved with the uh, police explorer program and learned, you know, just periphery stuff about the job. And I said, this uh, seems like the way I should be headed. So I'm going to stay on Norwood for just a couple more minutes and then we'll go back to um, your time in Lennox and my brief time in Lennox and kind of our brief association. So... I think it's interesting just, you know, as, as a Norwood alum, you can kind of fill in the blanks, but I bet a lot of our viewers and listeners aren't aware that in addition to the United States Service Academies, so West Point, Annapolis, the Air Force Academy at Colorado Springs, Coast Guard Academy at um, Groton, Connecticut, or New London, Connecticut, and the Merchant Marine Com- Academy at Kings Point, there are state military academies, right? The Citadel, the, the Military College of South Carolina, Norwich, uh, Mass Maritime Academy. There's a bunch of other ways that you can be a military officer candidate or midshipman, cadet, whatever, and direct commission, right? There's, there's a bunch of people who go to Norwood and they end up in the Army and the Marine Corps. That is very true. <laughs> a, lot of my, uh, a lot of my friends did that. Uh, and so you've got these core of cadet organizations sprinkled throughout the country. Um, Texas A&M is another big one, huge core of cadet there, a core of cadet there for the Army. Uh, and there's actually active duty military personnel who get assigned to these colleges. It's, it's a posting. Very true. And they're military professors and you do drone ceremony and all that other stuff. All right, so let's pivot here. So Lennox Schools right. and... Um, I went to school in Lennox for one year, and we were actually classmates for that one year. <laughs> uh, so for sixth grade, for reasons that uh, you know in, involved my family, we, um, we had to move out of the city briefly. And so for sixth grade, I lived and went to school in Lennox, classmates with Chief O'Brien. Uh, let's see, who else? Tommy Finnegan is in that class. Um, no. No? No. No. Tommy um, Finnegan, Lee guy. Lee guy. I'm yep. sorry. Um, I can't remember who else was in the class. I was only there for that, that like nine months. Well, uh, Colvin. That's right. Yep. Noise. Hathaway. Yep. And then uh, the next time I ran into you was when you were a police explorer because you guys used to do traffic details for some of the events down um, on New Lenox Road and I went to church at St. Helena's. Sure. So we would have these church bazaars and we'd wander down to that little conservation area. And I was fascinated because Pittsfield didn't have police explorers at the time. And I was like, I want to do that. You guys are out there directing traffic and hanging out. Just yeah, it looking was, all official. It was a pretty cool thing. <laughs> and, and Chief Burkle did a great job with yeah. it. He had a whole, we, there was a, a large bunch of us at one time, 20 to 30. And there was an actual rank structure. Yep. Yeah, it was uh, interesting. Yeah, it was impressive. I remember that. Okay, so you get out of school. You knew you wanted to be a cop. What happened next? So I graduated from uh, Norwich in uh, 92. I promptly became a house painter from uh, 92 to 94, but at that time I was still a part-time police officer in Lenox. So during the day I painted and I'd pick up shifts as much as I possibly could 
on the weekends and the evenings and midnights. And in uh, December of 94, there was a uh, full-time position. Um, and thankfully, I was hired as the full-time police officer. All right. So I'm going to continue on your your professional career, but I just had a flashback, so I have to ask you a question. Was Rob Appleton in your class? Yes, Rob yeah, Appleton Rob, was yeah. in my class, and Rob Appleton was actually the inspiration for me to go to Norwich. Really? He was at okay. Norwich, and he said, I think this place would be nice for you. Why don't you come visit? Another another law enforcement. He's got to be getting close to retirement now. He's a captain yeah, over yeah, in the yeah, North, yeah. New York State Police. Yeah. Okay, sorry. So, 94, you go to the police academy. 94, I go to the police academy, the 23rd MPOC. Agawam. Agawam. Uh, that, that place was a pit. Chief Milani. That place was, a, yeah, Chief Milani. Sergeant, Sergeant Cox. Sergeant Cox. Cox. Director Atkin. Yeah, let's not, let's not go there. Yeah. A lot of love for Chief Milani and Sergeant Cox. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. It was, uh, and I can tell you my experience at uh, Norwich certainly prepared me for that. because You, you knew was, drill and ceremony. It was pretty you it knew, was pretty simple. You knew how to prep a uniform, how to dress a gig line. I did. Yeah, all that stuff. I did. Shine your boots. Shine my boots. Put uh, military creases in your shirt. So were you in a leadership role in your recruit, in your MPOC? Or did you just kind of I, nope, try to fly to nope, below the radar? No, nope, not in the MPOC. <laughs> no, nope, I was not. Uh, I forgot how they did squad leaders back then, but... So we, we'd have four squads. You'd have yeah. a squad leader. Uh, I think squad leaders wore corporal insignia, and then you'd have a class leader who wore sergeant's insignia, right. and they reported to the staff instructors. I just don't recall the, the process for getting in there. But it, basically, it but was, I was hiding. Basically, it was whoever the staff instructors thought could keep the stuff going in a, in a proper direction. Uh, and they would fire you and hire a replacement on a drop of a dime. I, I have seen that. So, <laughs> yes, that's probably exactly how yeah. it went. And I stayed below the radar as much as I possibly could. That probably was for the best. I did not. I was a squad leader, and uh, it just made the, pre the experience much more difficult. It, not only were you responsible for yourself, but now you're responsible for a bunch of other people, and if they messed up, you got punished. It's probably for the best just to fly below the radar. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, that's what I was doing. So you went to the academy in 94, uh, summer academy or winter academy? Winter. Miserable. Miserable. Springfield's a much longer uh, trip when it's snowing or there's uh, slush on the road. Did yes. you have, did you ever have to stay down there? I never had to stay there. No. So we, I think they were doing this with your class. I went the year after you, and they were still doing it. So they would randomly switch you from a day class to a night class if they needed to accommodate the needs of the instructor. Normally, it was Dave Standen that needed the accommodation. <laughs> um, and he so, was the DT guy? Yeah. Yeah. So we had two classmates who, they were from Edgartown out on the mm -hmm. island. So the department put them up. They had a small apartment down in Feeding Hills. And if we got out of a night class late, instead of coming back, we would just go sleep on their floor and then turn around and go right back to the academy. Yeah. Because uh, there was uh, no way, right? If you, left, if you left the academy at 9 p.m., 10 p.m. after a night class and it was snowing, it'd be midnight before you got back and you'd have to be back in the car at 5 a.m. Right. to go back. So we would just sleep there on their floor. Uh, it, it was interesting, miserable time. I don't think um, we had anybody in our class from a far distance like that that needed to be put up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the academy, in the old academy, in that facility, it was just miserable, right? The building was decrepit. The locker rooms were decrepit. It was um, an old school it had been like a um a boarding school for boys and then it was like a sanitarium before the state took it over there's all kinds of and we were only we were restricted basically to the recruit classroom and the gym downstairs uh the whole rest of the building was occupied by other operational police units right. um and we weren't allowed to go into those spaces so uh you got out in the spring of 95 april of uh 95 95 yep. um and did you go to Midnight's? I did. Typical law enforcement starting place. I did, but the uh, person who was on Midnight's, uh, there was a guy on Midnight's that transferred into the day shift slot as I went to the academy, and uh, he found himself to be uh, much more liking of Midnight's. So I didn't stay on Midnight's for very long, eight, eight months. And then you went to Day's? 
then uh, amazingly i went to days that's a fast turnaround to go to i went to days fast but i didn't go to days that fast it wasn't it wasn't a full year before i was on days all right so you get out of the academy did lennox pd have field training at the time or did you just jump in with both feet my field training came when i was a reserve officer okay so um i was ready to go right when i got out of the academy so you get out you hit the ground running you go to midnight's I go to midnight. So work with a couple guys. It's 1995. What's it like to be a police officer on the midnight shift in Lennox, Mass? Um, it's fairly quiet uh, most of the time, but uh, you know what was good about the midnight shift was when the phone rang, you knew you were doing something. So, but you also had things to do on the midnight shift: check buildings, make sure everything's, uh, check all your roads, check all your buildings, sit up on the Pittsfield Road see what's going on up there so 95 lennox had um you guys still had some pretty active i mean you've got good like dining and and beverage options now but you you had some places that were a little more wild in in 95 (laughs) Uh, yeah i mean there (laughs) were some the chairs would have been open right yeah the five chairs Mm -hmm. in the heritage house yeah um was was there? Rope, st- not, it was the rope, not the Roseboro Grill at the time, but I can't remember the name of it. But was there still a bar in what eventually became the Dakota in '95? Because at one point that was like a nightclub before it became the Dakota, but I don't remember when that was. Mazios, there was a nightclub. Okay, that was uh, Brannigan's. That's right. Yeah, yeah, that was. I don't remember anything in the Dakota, but the Dakota. Okay, in, at that time. Right. Yeah. Um. So check the beats. Check the buildings. Run some radar. Just and uh, we used to do it uh, by foot. Oh, if like you, if beat jacks walk around and shake the doors. The, yeah, if you were in the center of town, you'd, yeah. I mean, you walked around, shook, shook the doors physically. So a walking post. Yeah, but you got to your car if they called you and said, yeah. here you go, you got to go. Chief Burkle ever, like, wander out and check and make sure you were doing your door checks? Didn't see Chief Burkle. Um, much was, much was, on the midnight This was fairly late in his, his career, career, so... Uh, 95 I came on and in 2000 he retired so um, yeah I didn't see the chief too much on midnight so what was your favorite part about being a patrol officer in Lennox well my favorite part about it um, was dealing with the people essentially so it was I mean if we walked a day, a day sh- when I got to the day shift we walk a full patrol you could stop and talk to people stop and talk to the business people and um, just your regular old community policing kind of stuff. But you always had to answer your calls, too. So, What was your least favorite part about being a patrol officer in Lennox? Midnights. <laughs> <laughs> I never... That, that's a fair answer. I just... I, I never got used to the sleep on midnights. I don't know. Not... Uh, I couldn't figure it out. I couldn't sleep during the day for some I, reason. I couldn't. I was miserable when I was on midnights. I've never been sicker in my life than the year and a half, two years I was on midnights. Um, how about Tanglewood? How does that impact patrol operations in Lennox? Well, uh, thankfully it doesn't much except for getting around it to get to where you have to go. Um, but we have, uh, at that stage, we had uh, 10 positions for Tanglewood. So that's all manned by uh, traffic officers. And that, uh, that's their sole function is that's traffic in and out of Tangle. That is what yeah. they do. Yeah. They get traffic in and out. And that's how we can run that uh, road one way um, as you're coming out of Tangle at the end of the concert. Yeah. All right. So how long, how long were you a patrol officer on patrol? In I was on days for uh, five years. Then I switched to uh, when Chief Burkle retired. Um, Timmy Face, who was a patrolman on evenings, um, became the chief. So he moved out of there, and the first memo he got on his desk was, uh, I would like to transfer to uh, evenings. You wanted, to, you wanted to go to the busy shift. I wanted to go to evenings, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so uh, Chief Face, a legend in local law enforcement, long-serving patrol officer in Lennox PD, um, well-known, uh, well-regarded, uh, and managed to basically lead a double life because he looked like a clean-cut cop 
if you encountered him on patrol in Lennox. But he's collaterally assigned to the task force. And I think we can probably say he's been retired for a long time, so we can say this. He was, at the time, the most effective undercover <laughs> officer in the task force, um, both as a patrol officer and then eventually later as a chief. He bought a lot of drugs. He a did. lot of drugs. <laughs> he was very good at it. And I had the good fortune when I was briefly <laughs> undercover to work with, uh, with Tim. Um, both as a patrol officer and uh, later as a chief, he was just amazing. Like he would just transform himself. Yeah, he's um, good at whatever uh, whatever he puts himself to. Yeah, he's a he's a handy guy. He's a smart guy. Yeah, he's he a talent. He's he was, multi-talented. Oh, very much so. Yeah. He can do anything. All right, so you went to evenings. Why did evenings for five years? Why did you want to go to Eves? Uh, days was just getting old, and <laughs> I hadn't worked evenings, so I wanted to go to evenings. And I worked with uh, the two good guys on evenings, too. Two, whoops, sorry. Um, uh, we had a good shift. And I worked evenings um, in o for overtime. Yeah. So I got to know the shift. I got to like the shift. And I said, I got to switch to Eves. And, and I, I, think, I think it was probably when you were on evenings that I had my first interaction with you um, as, as a cop, uh, you know, I was doing a little bit of task force stuff. And by that time I was with the team. So we were, um, we were both, we were doing some operations and some training, um, from the team perspective. And I didn't, I didn't work a lot in Lennox, but we did a couple raids. We did a couple dignitary protection things down there. So, yeah, I was there for, uh, Five years on Eves. We, uh, we, we staged a few times in the auditorium at the Lennox yeah, Town sure. Hall. <laughs> yep. Get ready to move out of there. So uh, I, don't, I don't remember specifically if we had interactions, but it would have been the right time period. Sure. So what's it like on the evening shift in Lennox? Because, I mean, Petr Lennox is kind of like a, a commuter community, kind of a bedroom community. It's, it's gotta, there's got to be a lot more people in Lennox after business hours than there generally are during business hours. Uh, at that time, that, that is true. Um, so it's, evenings was busier. And when that phone rang, you knew you were doing something and you were probably going to move on to something else right after that. So there wasn't a lot of lag time and you had time to uh, do different things, you know, your own uh, enforcement efforts, especially uh, Chapter 90 motor vehicle stuff. Um, and we did a lot, we did a lot of that, but, um, we have a, a, a core of people that generate a bunch of calls just like any other community, just like any other community. I, so I'm not going to say this person's name. I think, um, this probably would have been one of, one of the, our, our direct reactions and you may have already been the chief by this time. I think one of the, um, the first professional interactions we had, we had a Pittsfield resident um, who he struggled. He had some challenges, and uh, it, might have, it might have been Chief Merkel who actually did it. Um, and he he drank a lot. So in addition to all the other challenges he had, he drank a lot. And for the most part, when he was up in the city, and you know we knew where his family was and stuff, it wasn't that big a problem. But he got a job as a dishwasher in one of the downtown Lennox restaurants and he would get out of work and he'd get drunk and try to make his way back to Pittsfield on his bike and there was a bunch of times when I was on evenings that we would take calls from Lennox and they'd be like come get this guy that was Chief Burkle <laughs> because I think he revoked his driver's license I think Chief Burkle gave him the bike That's <laughs> and it was everything was fine at the time yeah. and then he got the bike and he was everywhere yeah um yes so yeah Chief Burkle yeah, this is this is the type of stuff you could do in small town policing back in the day. So Chief Burkle granted this individual a town of Lennox driver's license, which is not a thing. And then he got in trouble because he was leaving work drunk. And so the chief revoked the driver's license yes. and told him he couldn't ride in Lennox anymore. Yes. So we had to go get him. Um, yeah, you yeah. couldn't get away with that stuff today. No, absolutely not. So, um, five years on the evening shift. Five years on evenings. And tell us a little bit about, so this would have been the late 
uh, early 2000s, right? As we're starting to look at that. 2005. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, what's it like policing in Lenox in the early 2000s? Um, it's much different than it is now. I hate to even say that, but uh, it was, I mean, it was fine. It was good. We were busy. We had a lot to do. Um, a lot of motor vehicle stuff at the time. So obviously when it's summer, I mean, Lennox is known as, you know, a cultural destination for a variety of reasons, primarily Tanglewood, but not just Tanglewood. There's other destinations and resorts there um, and lots of tourism. Yep. Do you, do you see, uh, it's probably not the same volume, but does Lennox see tourists during the off season? Like, is there, is there a ski sure. community that comes up and stays in Lennox? So the, uh, the second homeowners, um, they used to just come for the tagwood season and then go back to wherever they came from. And then they would come back for the uh, foliage season and um, then ski the rest of the winter sporadically. But obviously the bulk of the uh, tourism is summer months because we have Shakespeare and Company we have, uh, like you said, the two resorts, Canyon Ranch, Miraval, Tanglewood, Stockbridge has all that they have to offer as well. So uh, the summer months, we, our population at least doubles. Um, so Shakespeare and Company has been in their current location for, for a while now. A while. Um, were they already there when, when you got on? Lawn on the job, oh, or yeah, they were at uh, the Mount. They were at the Mount. Yes. So was the um, Lennox? I don't even know what it was called. The Lennox Music Festival. Were they still there when you started? Lennox. Uh, yes, they were. So that must when have got, first came on. That must have gotten a little rowdy. Uh, some of the concerts down there got a little rowdy, but nothing like. I uh, I saw Charlie Daniels and Fishbone at that venue. Yeah, I was at that Fishbone <laughs> show. <laughs> I love those guys. I'm trying to think of the name of that. I want to say Berkshire Performing Arts Center. I think that's what it, it was. It might I have think been, it is. Yeah. I think that's yeah. exactly what it was. Yeah, that, yeah that must have gotten a little rowdy. It got, yeah, a little rowdy, but it was a much smaller crowd than Tanglewood, so yeah. it wasn't that bad. How about the Josh? What's that like in Lennox? Uh, the Josh, uh, primarily now, uh, it used to come through Lennox. Thankfully, they've changed that. Um, but the Josh is primarily in Stockbridge, um, so and and south for the riding of the bikes and everything. But the cars all end up on West Street, and we get them parked just like we do for Tanglewood. Because it's because the finish line used to be at Tanglewood. The finish line was at Tanglewood, yeah. and that's where everybody wanted to put their cars. It was the the one time I ran the Josh, um, and I, I'm glad it was only the one time. The finish line was still at Tanglewood. That was a party. That's got to be a long day for Lennox that, PD. Yeah, that's, uh, that is a busy day. Um, but like I said, most of that was in Stockbridge, so Chief Wilcox at the time had a lot of rounding up to do, getting people moving and everything. All right, so um, we've got like one minute left. So before we go for a station break, let's uh, do this. What was the, um, as a patrol officer, what was your most memorable call, like your hot call? Oh, boy. You're putting me on the spot on that one. <laughs> there, I mean, there were several memorable calls, and I can't even think of one right now. Um, well, yeah. I don't know that I want to go, go, down, go, that I don't want to go down that road. All right, so I'm going to ask you about some more calls when we come back from this break. So if you got some war stories, start thinking about it. We're coming up on the half hour, so this is a good time to pause. We'll get station identification and some PSAs, and then we'll come back and continue our conversation with Chief O'Brien. Support for WTBR comes from Berkshire Community College. BCC provides access to higher education to everyone in Berkshire County and beyond, offering more than 50 high-quality programs, small class sizes, and an affordable education to help their students of all ages achieve their dreams. At BCC, their middle name is Community. And from County Ambulance 
providing quality, professional, efficient medical care and medical transportation services to the citizens of Berkshire County. Online at countyamb.com. Support for WTBR comes from Greylock Federal Credit Union, proud to support high school arts and sports programs to help our community thrive. Greylock Federal, with locations throughout the Berkshires and online at greylock.org. Missed an episode of your favorite show? Have no fear because we have podcasts. Type in wtbrfm.com forward slash podcast on your favorite browser and search for your favorite show. It's that simple. Support for WTBR comes from Berkshire Mantiques, a 7,000-square-foot shop featuring collectibles, antique signs, and much more for your garage, bar, man cave, or she shed. Open Thursday through Monday from 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. and located on Route 7 in Lanesboro. And from Greylock Grounds drive Through and Cafe, featuring different varieties of local coffee and tea from Six Depot Roastery Cafe. Greylock Grounds K-Cups are locally brewed and the only biodegradable compostable K-Cups using a local roaster. Visit their drive through location on Route 7 in Lanesboro, serving coffee, paninis, ice cream, and more. Pittsville residents, have you heard about Code Red? It's the city's emergency alert program, and it keeps you informed on the latest updates and notifications, including but not limited to weather-related emergencies, road closures, and water main breaks. So stay connected and be informed. Text Pittsville to 99411 to enroll or visit cityofpittsfield.org to sign up. Hi, this is Sergeant Mark Madalena with the Pittsfield Police Department. We all have busy lives and we're in a hurry to get to where we need to be. While driving, people are eating, drinking, talking, putting on makeup, doing their hair, checking social media, texting each other, all while the dog sits on their lap. The result is running red lights, stop signs, speeding, and finally crashing. Distracted driving is illegal. You can be ticketed or criminally charged. Please share the road and pay attention. Let's make sure everyone gets where they want to go safely. This message is brought to you by the Pittsfield Police Department in cooperation with WTBR-FM. Hi, this is Officer Darren Derby with the Pittsfield Police Department. Folks, unfortunately, drug use is a driving factor for a lot of crime taking place in our city. The most prevalent crime being theft. Please, take the extra time to ensure that your belongings are safe inside your vehicle. Do not leave anything of value in plain sight. Hide your belongings. Place them in your trunk or take anything of value out of the vehicle. Always keep your vehicle locked. Don't make it easy for them. This message is brought to you by the Pittsfield Police Department in cooperation with WTBR-FM. WTBR 89.7 FM, Pittsfield Community Radio, simulcast on Pittsfield Community Television and available on all your popular podcast platforms. If you're just joining us, this is a pre-recorded episode we're recording in the last week of November to be aired in the first week of December. And our guest in studio this morning is Chief Steve O'Brien, the chief of the Lennox Police Department. So, Chief, I put you on the spot before the break and asked you to tell me about a memorable call and he kind of, you know, Bucked a little bit, and I get it, because um, we all have some that stick in our memories that we just don't want to talk about or share. Um, but when we were on the station break, you you told me that you you also were a, a busy officer because you had some specialization. So you know, as a patrol officer, you know, what did you what did you want to focus your attention on, or what did you want to specialize in? Um, as a patrol, I was. Uh, I was very interested in the elderly population in Lennox because um, we had uh, a lot of things changing at the time. You know, Kimball Farms was coming in and our population was changing. So um, we, uh, but you know, we did some reaching out to the elderly in the community and we would talk and just have a uh, regular communication with them. And I thought that was a good part of being uh, not just a police officer, but a Lennox police officer. I thought it was good for the communities. Um, I also uh, investigated a lot of uh, other crimes that involved uh, other s- private schools in our uh, in our jurisdiction, and it was uh, it was very satisfying when you were able to get to the bottom of what was going on with those with those crimes and either make an arrest or summon somebody in, so that uh, they, the victim could uh, move on with some type of closure. Yeah, those aren't easy cases to work. No, 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 and no, they're not easy cases to work in any community. I can't. I would imagine they've got to be much more difficult to work in a private school setting where you've got privacy rights and you know they've got reputational concerns. 
Um, yeah. You got other students that you have to be concerned about. So those those are difficult cases. Um, Actually, so they were they were very cooperative on the school side. So you were you were a specialized investigator. Do you have any other specializations? Uh, no, I didn't. Uh, uh, I didn't branch out, and we don't. We don't have that. Um, that makeup in Lennox, yeah. to be quite honest with you. You never. So. You never decided you wanted to follow in Timmy's steps and go to the task force. Or? Never. Uh, be very honest with you. That never even interested me. Um, just. I just and patrol I know, officer. And just I wanted to be a good patrol officer. Yeah, I yeah. did, and I wanted sometime if we ever had a rank structure within the police department to uh, start moving up. So we don't. I don't think we've spoken about this uh, on any previous episodes, but you know, Chief O'Brien is a good example. Um, and this this needs. I think people need to understand this. There are plenty of people, myself included, who join law enforcement because they want to do something else. Like I, I joined the police department because I had the intention of becoming a federal agent and I needed the experience. And I've talked on previous shows about how the federal path didn't work out for me. Um, but to my, to my regret and probably, um, you know, it's a negative attribute of mine. I never saw myself as excelling as a patrol officer. I, I saw patrol officer as a path to something else, whether that was training or tactical and, Sometimes that's a deficit because police departments rely on people who want to be really good patrol officers, master, master patrol officers. Um, departments have to have specialists, depending on the size of the department, you may have more or less specialists, but departments rely on patrol. And if we didn't have people coming into the profession with a mindset like yours, that I just want to be a really good cop, we wouldn't be able to do what the community requires us to do. I sit down with a lot of our young officers and like, I want to get to investigations. I want to get to tactics. Just be a good cop, right? Be a good cop. And if that's something you want, that other stuff will come, but you got to be a good cop first. You, and you have to, you have to know your community. Yeah. You have to know who the players are. You have to know what's going on at certain hours. So you, you really have to get a grasp of your surroundings. So <coughs> after evenings, how long were you on evenings? Five years. And then what was next? Um, Chief Face had uh, announced his retirement. And um, knowing that uh, Chief, Face, Chief Face was there for five years, Chief Burkle was there 21 years before him. So I said, if I don't uh, apply for this now, I may never have the opportunity to do it. So... You, you kind of alluded to this in your last response, but at the time, that was it, right? A police chief and a bunch of patrol officers. No other rank structure. That is true. That is it. Um, Ten. Yeah. Nine, nine patrolmen and the chief. And that is fairly common. It's, it's less common in Berkshire County today than it was at the time. But at the time, that was pretty much the way most of our municipal departments were structured. There was very little middle management or first-line supervision stuff. It was the chief and the troops. It, that was it. That is it. <laughs> um, you know, Pittsfield was unusual compared to our, our fellow our joining departments in that we had sergeants and lieutenants and captains. Um, most of the, and a lot of the surrounding departments have sergeants now. A few of you even added lieutenants. But it was unusual to interact on mutual aid with another department and have any rank. Um, it, it just didn't happen. Yeah. So yeah. patrol officers had a lot of responsibility in these departments. And took on, uh, some, uh, took on a lot of administrative yeah. stuff, especially during the day shift. Like I was in charge of cruiser maintenance. So A vital role in any police department. It was... Uh, <laughs> And it can uh, be taxing at times. Yeah. We were, uh, I was talking to some of my officers yesterday and they were, I'm not going to say expressing dissatisfaction. They were, they were expecting a car because there's a problem with the car. And they think that this particular problem is because of the new body design, the new body style. And one of the officers was like, you know, the, the auto six car, I would just prefer that car. And, you know, it's, I, I don't think I'd ever thought I'd see the day. You got young, aggressive, motivated Patrol officers fighting for 
two or three year old cars because they think the car performs better than the brand new car and so they're fighting to get into the older style which is never the case they're also commenting that um we never crash an old car we always crash the brand new car that's the so, way luck rolls yeah so ve vehicle maintenance is critical for any police department so chief face is getting ready to go you're by he this is. time a fairly senior patrol officer i had 10 years out of time and uh and you realize that, you know, if another candidate gets in there and they're going to do a Chief Burkle or a Chief Wilcox or a Chief McGarry and stick around for the duration, that's it for you. You'll never have another opportunity. You'd possibly be a patrol officer for life. That is exactly what I was thinking. Not that there's anything wrong with being a patrol officer for life, but you decided to throw your hat in the ring to be a chief of police. I did. What year was that? That was 2005. Well, no, it was... 2004. 2004. Yeah. And so did Lennox bring in an uh, outside consultant to run the search? No. Um, the town of Lennox did their, own, did their own thing and wanted to try to keep it internal. And it ended up being me and another candidate from the PD. Both, both internal candidates? Both internal candidates. And did they look at any external candidates? Um, there was a lot of talk about doing that. And for whatever reason, I wasn't involved in those communications at the time. For whatever reason, they said, let's keep this in-house. So you're going through the process. What was that like? Well, the process wasn't, uh, it wasn't so strenuous, but there were a couple interviews involved with uh, the uh, town manager at the time and, uh, of course, the board of selectmen. And that was, that was about it. They knew who they were getting. We had been there for a long time. They knew uh, our work ethic. So they selected you. They did. And this other potential candidate was still on the job? He was. How'd that go? <laughs> it was fine. <laughs> it, was, uh, it, was, it was fine. That's all I can say. It okay. wasn't, uh, there was some tension there for a little bit, but nothing crazy. So you get the job. And they call you up and ask you to come in and see the town manager. And he's like, congratulations, Steve. You're the chief. And I was like, wow, that is, uh, that is great news to hear. So one day you're a patrol officer. One day I'm a patrolman. Shaking doors, checking the beat, running radar, and the next day you're the chief. That is true. <laughs> and uh, at the exact same time, my son was born. Oh, that's a lot. So uh, that's a lot going on. It was a lot at one one time. Yes. Um. So two thousand four, you said. Two thousand four was the process. Two thousand five. January of two thousand five was the uh, was my actual hire date. So you come to work now. Actually, I should let me clarify that. Two thousand four, they told me I was going to be chief. I started to transition in okay. with chief face. face. January, I got a point. Okay. So you're coming to work after the holidays, and uh, now you're in charge. The buck stops with you. And, yep. and, and all of those things that, you know, you used to say, if I, was the, if I were the chief, I wouldn't do that. If I were the chief, I would do this. Now you got to do them. Very true. <laughs> yes. How, how was the shift from line officer to boss? It was uh, actually pretty smooth. Really, I had a good, uh, I had a good team of uh, patrolmen, and they, uh, in certain instances, had my back and and took care of some of the administrative stuff and said, "Hey, maybe we should do this." Brought a lot of good ideas to me, and I primarily concentrated on saying, "I better learn how to run this budget," because. Uh, Upstairs really is going to want that. The, so. Yeah, right. So um, I don't care how big your agency is. One day, your operations and all you know, for the most part, I mean, like unless you're doing grant programs or something like that, all you know about the budget is when the chief tells you we're running out of money and they cut back on the overtime. And then one day, your management and you're responsible for the budget. And they don't teach you about budgets in the police academy. Um, that is for sure. It, that is a steep, steep learning curve. Municipal budgets, they're not like keeping your, your household bank account or your household budget. 
and I, I won't get into the details, but I had a, uh, in the first full year that I was the chief of police, I had an employee, and their reasons were their own, but they had been entitled to an educational incentive bump, and they had been entitled to it for a couple of years, but they had deferred taking it because they were going through a messy divorce, and they didn't they didn't want the, the, the money to go into the, the divorce settlement or the divorce decree. And so they didn't confirm with us or tell us that they were entitled to this. And then after the divorce was final, they came in, and they wanted retro on that. And I'm like, you, we can't pay you retro. It's from a previous budget. And he's like, well, it's my money. And I was like, this is not... Like, you know, you just put it in a savings account and we just take it out. You failed to account for it when we closed the budget twice and money doesn't exist anymore. He, he just couldn't understand that, that it wasn't just sitting there, you know, banked for him. Like, no, we, it's a brand new budget every July 1st, right? It starts over. Um, that, that takes some getting used to. And we just had an employee, uh, they sent the communication. They're like, I had, you know, this much money left last year and so I'm going to spend it now. I was like, no, that money went bye-bye. We turned it back over. So, right. yeah, budgeting's a drag. Yeah, I'm, I'm did, thankful that I'm just dealing with my small budget. Did you uh, did you drive back and forth to Grafton to take the chief's classes with the MPI? Um, I did uh, take some of those classes, but I primarily drove to Grafton because I was able to get uh, IMC through the Homeland Security Grant. So for uh, for our viewers you know. for our viewers and listeners, IMC is our uh, in-house records management and computer aided dispatch system that most Berkshire departments uh, are on, uh, and they're they corporate used to be down there. And so you drive down to that facility to learn how to use computer software. Something else they didn't teach us in the police academy. <laughs> right, and we had to have this was a lot of these uh, patrolmen that I was now the chief of. We're older guys, and we came out with typewriters and carbon paper. And I'm and I'm switching to a whole new record management system. In uh, it was in it had to be 2005. And they're you're dragging them kicking and screaming because they don't want to do it. There was a, a large learning curve <laughs> for some, I should say, not for all. Others took on to it like it was perfect. So PPD transitioned to IMC. At the time was IMC now, Tritec, um, I don't even know what they're, right. they've been purchased so many times. Uh, we transitioned in 2003, 2004, and the switch happened while I was away. I was assigned to Quantico. And so I left, we were on DM Data or some other CPLIMS or whatever, and I came back and they were on IMC. Um, and fortunately, uh, my chief at the time, Chief Riello, he was wise enough and smart enough that he gave me a week to just come into work and work in the system before I had to like actually do a case because I'd have been lost. There was no way. Um, and yeah, ch technology change. Cops. There's only two things. There's only one thing cops like less than change, and it's things that stay the same, right? If you you want to mess with a bunch of cops, start throwing really rapid change at them. Um, yeah, so that's a big project for a new chief to take on. So you're a new that chief, was. you got to transition to a new records management system, and you got a newborn at home. Uh, very true, among several other things going on at the when was police the, department. When was the next time you got any sleep? <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, uh, he, was a, he was a good baby. Okay. He was a very good baby. So 2005. 2005. So, so now you've been the chief for 17 years. 18, 18. Do you regret it? No. No, I don't I don't regret it. Some days um yeah, some days it's it's a tough spot to be in. But now at this stage and maybe maybe 5 6 years ago, I was thinking, "Oh man, what did I do to myself?" But no, I don't regret it at all. So, in your 18 years as the chief, what's your biggest accomplishment? Well, um that IMC uh, transition. Uh, transition was huge, and that was at the very beginning. Today, we are still on uh, that same that same program. We've updated it, obviously, a million times, but um, we're doing that. Um, one of my greatest accomplishments is that I stay within the budget. Um, Always important. Yearly. Yeah. 
um, as much as possible. One year we had a little something going on that threw things off. Um, so that is, uh, I'm, I'm proud of that. Um, I'm also on, uh, at, the t at the beginning of this, I was on the Homeland Security Committee which was an eye-opener, too, and that was uh, very good. And so that's that Western Mass Homeland Security. Western Mass Homeland Security Advisory Council, yeah. who uh, provides some money, which Pittsfield and the whole county benefited from with the new, uh, uh, I almost called it Bobcat. <laughs> Bearcat. Bearcat, <laughs> yeah. yes. So um, for our, so I, I, well, technically, technically I'm currently on the Advisory Council, actually, um, and to have a proxy named to sit in for me after I became a post commissioner just because it, there was too much going on. But the Western Mass Homeland Security Advisory Council is one of, it's either, I think there's six? I don't know. There's, there's, there's a handful of advisory councils spread out across the Commonwealth. We represent uh, the Western four counties, basically. And the purpose, I mean, the, the council does a lot. They do a lot of training. They do a lot of technical advising. But their principal focus is that's the fiduciary, those are the fiduciary agents through which the state, primarily the executive office of public um, safety and security, public safety and security, EOPS, distributes federal funds for, for homeland security type purposes. So what the chief was alluding to is that several years ago, we had some stuff going on. Uh, with some equipment for the team uh, and assets that, although Pittsfield technically is the owner of record on them, that we consider them county assets, and we needed to upgrade some of that equipment. And so we were able to apply through Berkshire Law Enforcement Council, the Berkshire Chiefs, to the Homeland Security Advisory Com Committee Council uh, for funding. And so the Homeland Security funded the new Bearcat relatively new Bearcat. They also upgraded helmets and shields and communications for the team. Uh, and because we were doing that through Homeland Security, instead of trying to do it ourselves as a one-off, we managed to send specifications up to a higher level. And so all the advisory councils got on the same page. And so when we specced a Bearcat, if an LEC was trying to get one, they all got the same Bearcat. If LECs needed tactical helmets, they all got the same helmets, which may sound um, unnecessary. But what it means is that if I, as the control chief for Berkshire, have to activate the team to go do mutual aid for central mass tactical, they're going to be familiar with the same equipment. They can swap out comm headsets. They can get on the same truck. Uh, and so we have this integrated capability across the Commonwealth, which, thank God, has never been an issue. Um, but it's the type of thing where, say, Watertown, um, you know, if something like that were to happen again, we're much better prepared because of the work of the council. Sure. Um, you're also very involved in the Chiefs Association. In, Ma in the Massachusetts yeah. Chiefs Police Association, yeah. And you've been doing that for a long time, since, since before I was a chief. Um, uh, not as the e-board e e rep. Right. But yes, as a county route, right when I came mm -hmm. on, uh, I became very involved with Mass Chiefs, Western Mass Chiefs, and um, you learn a lot because you you talk to other people and see what's going on. You also realize, boy, people have the same things going on. It's not just us in your in their agency <laughs> yeah. as you do in yours. Yeah. So, yeah, and it, it's uh, you, I, you need to you need to do that so you can see that. So you've been the county the Berkshire Law Enforcement Council, Berkshire Chiefs rep to the Mass Chiefs e-board for a long time. How long now? Um, since Chief Wilcox retired, that would be, I, I think, 2014, so yeah. eight years. Yeah. yeah. And so you come back, and we have a you know monthly county chiefs meeting, and you always come back, and you have reports for us about legislation, our, our lobbying efforts, and... Um, new laws that are coming down, the training committee, changes at the academy, the Jimmy yeah, Fund. Sure, Jimmy <laughs> Fund, yep. You, you've always got a ton of information. EOPS, what they're saying about, uh, especially now with police reform, yep. what, what, what agencies need to do to keep up with uh, what they're saying has to be done. So, so it, it's, part of, it's, it's part of the conversation about police reform, but you guys were kind of in it um, 
even before that it's because of uh, you know some of the standards that you were trying to implement or enforce or progress on so the your department is structured a little bit differently now than it was when you took command it uh, certainly is because um, I was able to um, promote a, uh, a patrolman to the rank of sergeant so now I have an inline supervisor before me that can take um, that can take those calls after midnight <laughs> or <laughs> whatever right. it goes on and everybody still knows that they can call me at any right. time but um, so we at least have that step now and we were doing well where he could be um, outside of the patrol function somewhat um, but we lost a guy so now he's back right. in, in patrol but as a sergeant and doing his sergeant duties there too and have you increased staffing since you became the chief? I increased him by one, and <laughs> and then he left. You're down. <laughs> he un he yeah. unfortunately had to leave. It yeah. wasn't, yeah. Um, and it's too bad. But I am in the process now. We will uh, we will be uh, having a test pretty soon. Okay, and we'll, we'll expand. And, and like most Berkshire County departments, and you you had full time officers, and you still had a pretty good reserve component. Has that gone by the wayside with police reform? It certainly has. All, uh, yes. Uh, I haven't. I didn't have any of my police uh, reserve police officers, and there were probably seven of them that said that they wanted to uh, or were able to get into the Bridge Academy because it requires three weeks off from their regular full time job. job. And a lot of them that weren't going to take their vacation time to do that. So. It, this is one of, as a in my role as a post commissioner. This is one of the things that I've gotten asked about the most in my travels around the Commonwealth to talk about police reform, and it's the unintended consequences of the the legislation. Um, just, there was there was no clear understanding. I don't believe, based on my conversations with legislators, legislators, there was no clear understanding on the sheer number of part time cops we had in the Commonwealth and how many departments were going to rely on them or had been relying on them. And so as a result of the legislation and the requirements in the legislation, the Municipal Police Training Committee, the MPTC, they had to create a mechanism for a part-time officer, somebody who had gone to the Reserve Intermittent Academy, to get up to the same level of training as a full-time officer so they could continue and be certified by the post commission and the mechanism that the mptc created is what the chief just alluded to the bridge academy which was 200 hours of additional academic instruction a lot of which could be done online which many people were willing to do but in addition to those 200 hours it was 120 hours of in-person training for defensive tactics firearms and driving and most reserve officers had full-time jobs, and so they were unable or unwilling to take three full weeks away from their lives to go get this 120 hours, and if you couldn't get it, you could not continue to work in law enforcement, and you could not be certified. Um, so we lost a lot of cops in the last 18 months as a result of that, and I know a couple other local departments, they had to take these part-time positions they had relied on forever and create full-time positions so the financial impact on the communities was devastating. That is exactly where we're at. We're up to, uh, we were at nine patrols. We're budgeted for 11. I'm going for 12 this year coming up. You're going to have to. Right. So we got about a minute left. Final thoughts. What's going on with the Lennox PD next? Well, um, we will keep uh, moving forward, getting uh, candidates for these positions. Please don't take any more of ours. I'm trying to ha have my own lined up, but <laughs> occasionally somebody calls and says I'd like to laterally transfer to somewhere else. So, but um, yeah, so the main the main goal right now is uh, about uh, hiring personnel and keeping personnel um, with us. And if we can get up to twelve, we should be doing better. I might be able to put another sergeant on. We'll s we'll see how that goes, but. Um, we definitely need to move forward and, and look into a uh, a larger full-time department because uh, the reserve officers just aren't there anymore. 
All right. Well, Chief, I want to thank you for coming in and joining us and thank sharing you your, your story with us. Happy Thanksgiving. To you as well, Chief. To all of our viewers and listeners at home, happy Thanksgiving to you, or I hope you had a happy Thanksgiving. Be safe, be healthy, but most importantly, be kind. We're 10-8.